Okay, The Talking Book is a 501c3 nonprofit audio publisher of independent literature. We're in Asheville, North Carolina, and because we're a nonprofit, we depend on donations from our listeners and supporters of independent publishing. So if you want to get involved, go to thetalkingbook.org. That's thetalkingbook.org. You can join our Patreon, uh, or you can come to Asheville and hang out with us, and we can record your book. We record books for authors and publishers. We'll make your audiobook. That's what we do. Hit us up. Uh, anyway, thanks so much for your support. Here's the show. Love ya. All right, here we go, everybody. My name is Chris Hartram. This is the Talking Book Podcast. It's your favorite podcast. Uh, uh, probably not, but hopefully it's up there. Um, today, I am talking to Laura Theobald, who is a poet. She is a PhD uh, student uh, at UGA, a uh, really good writer and fun to talk to. Her book, Kokomo, a book of poems, came out from Disorder Press, um, and it's really good. I have a conversation with Laura about her life and the book and what she's doing. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, the Beach Boys, they sang off the Florida Keys. There's a place called Kokomo. That's where you want to go to get away from it all. Uh, and so maybe get away from it all and listen to this conversation and this reading by Laura Theobald. Here we go. Hello. Hey, is this Laura? Laura, hi. Hey, Chris. Laura. Yeah, this is Chris. Hello. How's it going? It's going good. I'm going to go inside. It's quieter. Oh, okay, cool. I'm glad that we finally yeah. got to talk. Yeah, me too. Sorry, it took forever. Yeah, no, it's my fault too. I mean, everyone's schedule is crazy. Life is crazy. Everything's crazy. Absolutely. Everything's crazy. So you uh, you said you're going inside. Where are you right now? Are you in uh, in Georgia? Uh, yeah, in Athens, in my little apartment here. Yeah. Oh, cool. My little, my little orange house. What's uh, what's it like in Athens? We're we're in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Athens is great. I just moved here uh, in August from Baton Rouge. Um, it's yeah, I love it. Like a hip little town. It's like lots going on. I live in a really great neighborhood. Um, I live in Boulevard, and there's like musicians all around me. And, like cool, like porch fests and um, like cute little dog parades. And like it's just with us. There's a little co-op down the street. I think I live in the same neighborhood as Michael Stipe. It's like oh wow, awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I mean when I think of uh, that town. Um I love REM, and so I'm, that's the first thing I think of. So that's true. Okay, that that would have been like yeah. my, my stereotypical hope. Yeah, REM and like Pylon, and uh, like I don't know, tons of good music comes from Athens. Yeah, that, like all about it. Hell yeah, that's awesome. so. Have you seen Michael Stipe or like walked behind him or seen him at the grocery store? No, I'm like waiting for that moment of like seeing him out in public public and like I don't intend to like approach him or do anything crazy but yeah I'm like looking forward to just being like there's Michael Stipe like. I only have one uh Michael Stipe story and it's not uh re super interesting but we were at a uh we were at a show and uh, my uh, friend tapped me on the shoulder and he said look behind you and uh, Michael Stipe was dancing behind us and that was it nice so got that yeah got that going for me 
jealous. <laughs> Pretty sure yours is going to happen soon. I could feel it. But I um, hope. I hope I can see him dancing too. <laughs> yeah, he probably will be. Um, so yeah, how did you find your way to uh, Georgia? I know you're in a, um, a PhD program there, right? Yeah, um, I did my MFA in Baton Rouge at LSU, um, and then I was just there for like a few years um, trying to figure out my next move, and um, I applied here at UGA, and they accepted me, so yeah, I'm here doing the PhD and teaching and doing my book stuff, and yeah, it's cool. That's amazing. Are you... uh is this something that was always going to be kind of your plan in terms of the, uh, you know, the bachelor's, then the MFA, then the PhD, or did it kind of just kind of organically happen that way? It was, it was kind of a plan off and on. It was like, uh, I guess when I was an undergrad, you know, I first heard about the MFA and that it existed. And then, um, I applied after I graduated and didn't get in anywhere at first, and then I applied again, and then I finally got in. And then when and and then when I got in, I kind of had the plan that yeah, I was going to go all the way with it and like get the full education and like be a teacher. And then when I graduated with my MFA, I was like really burnt out um, and just like tired. Um, and really, um, kind of jaded with the experience of teaching in particular. Like I had a really hard time teaching in my MFA. Like they don't really train you to do that, to teach. And they have you teaching like comp usually. Right. Um, and so it was kind of like a really bad experience that I had, um, with my MFA with teaching. And so I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know if I'm cut out for it. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm good at this. And so, like, I had a few years to kind of think about it and think about what I wanted to do. And I don't know. Over the course of that time, I kind of changed my mind and like was like, well, if I'm going to do it, if I'm going to keep going and get the PhD, like, you know, I'm going to have to teach and I'm going to have to like change my whole mindset about it and like go into it with a whole new attitude and like really think about like my pedagogy, like my, you know, what's important to me and like what, what kind of like knowledge I can pass on to little children's like, um, so it, it kind of was off and on like going in and out of like, is this what I want to be doing? But like, now that I'm doing it again, I'm like really happy that I am and it's going really well and the teaching is going really well. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. 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 It's funny that you yeah. brought up that about, um, I was just having a conversation. I have friends who were like, uh, you know, where did maybe working in education and friends who working in, uh, uh, composition and rhetoric and then friends who, you know, obviously do creative writing. Pri- uh, and we were having a conversation about how, you know, this, this idea that like you do a creative writing MFA and then you're like, cool, now you have to, uh, you're going to teach classes, but then you're teaching composition classes and you, you didn't learn like in a, any real pedagogy in your, in your, in your creative writing classes, at least like a lot of them and how, you know, you're just kind of thrown in without any ideas to actually how to teach and people just like assume that, that that's, you can, and it's part of it. Yeah. I don't know what they assume or like, I think, I think people like kind of know, that uh, 
they're throwing us into the classroom without any teaching experience and without, like, most people who have the creative writing or doing the creative writing route haven't even taken a composition class. Like, I had never taken rhetoric and composition throughout my whole college experience. I'd never been in that class. I don't even know. I didn't even know when I was teaching it. I didn't know what it was. Like, what is this class? Like, what am I, what kind of knowledge am I supposed to be imparting? Like, it's totally a crazy, like messed up, broken system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's funny. We were talking about, um, just the idea that like an English department is split up between all these different factions, you know, of, like creative writing, composition and rhetoric and new media. And then, I swear before I started my master's specifically, I, th- I knew what composition the word meant, but I actually couldn't, I didn't know what it meant in an English department. I had no clue really. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah, it's it's weird that that's like not given to us when we're undergraduates, like, like literature is, you know? Yeah, it, it is. It, the, the whole system, like I said, is just totally, it's it's, just, it's broken. It's broken. It, it needs repair badly, but you know, what, what an education is not, True. Yeah. Completely screwed up at this point too. You right. Know, people are aware of it, but it's like, well, yep. Was the uh, yes. Was, was the <laughs> pro- program in Baton Rouge? Was that um, uh, was that kind of a traditional like? There's a writing quote unquote master, and there's a workshop, and you're just doing tons of workshops. Or did they mix in pedagogy or teaching, or how how did it work as like a program? Well, they make you take a take a pedagogy pedagogy course whenever you're teaching. Like I had to take one there, and then I had to take another one now when I got here. And yeah, it was like workshops, a lot of workshops, and taking lit courses and forms, forms, poetic forms classes, and things like that. That's cool. So, last question about that, just because I'm so personally interested in that. Recently, was there sure. was that was that program, or and I guess creative writing programs in general? Since you're you know working on a PhD, is there anything in general off the top of your head that could you know? And I know this is a very complicated question, but that you feel after doing that, since you said you were burnt out, that could be would be a possible repair or solution or improvement in general. I mean, I know that's probably a, like a long answer, but like in terms of the problem of teaching, like that in particular? Yeah, something like that. Like what what would improve that? I mean, that's a good question. I don't know that I'm like qualified to fix the problem at this point. Like I know what the problems are. Like right. In my pedagogy class that I'm in now, like my teacher is keeps talking about like, well, Teaching composition, like first-year composition, belongs in its own separate department outside of the English department. You know, that should be taught like, like as a writing across the disciplines kind of course. So it's not like housed in the English department, and students are being taught literature, but they're being taught how to write formally based on whatever their major is or whatever kind of other. Um, classes they're required to take like in their first few years right and that makes sense to me in a way but I'm also like um hi literature is important (laughs) like to me um but also I think in life and so there is this divide between comp people and English people that is really it there's a point there that is being made that is important that like students need to be prepared to 
right for their discipline and comp like English students maybe aren't the best prepared to teach them how to do that. Certainly we're not, but also like we need jobs like English, like people like me coming into a PhD and MFA programs. We need to be able to teach so that we can afford to go to school and also like critical thinking and reading are important too. And things also that need to be taught to first year, um, you know, undergrad students. And um, so the divide is important, but also, kind of nearsighted, I think. Um, and, and I think there's the, and I think, well, I think what needs to happen is like, like comp people really need to get over their attitudes and like about like, <laughs> they're like superiority and like the importance of their whole like deal and kind of like work with English departments in a way that is not so like divisive and just kind of, um, egoistic and like, strangely defensive. <laughs> oh, interesting. So you would say that the composition people tend to have more of a chip than the literature people? Uh, yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah, they have, in my experience, really weird attitudes about literature and the fact that like they're being grouped in with people who like to read literature <laughs> right. and write also and write, you know, creatively and that is creating more problems than it's solving. You know? it, it kind of it kind of comes off to me sometimes, you know, just working with people in departments like that. Like as you said, like it, maybe the chip comes from a defensiveness where they're like, everyone likes books, but what about composition? And it comes from that kind mm-hmm. of place, right? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think there's maybe some jealousy there, like there <laughs> that um, <laughs> is like kind of like deeply rooted, um, and uh, it's very. Um, kind of Freudian or something, this whole attitude that, yeah, prevents English people from doing their job well and comp people from doing their job well and ultimately prevents, you know, puts freshman students in a really crappy position where they're not really getting um, the best experience that they could be having in, in either um of those kind of courses that they could be having either English courses or comp courses. Well, there you go. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, (laughs) For all all those composition fans out there listening, uh, don't get mad at us. Just call in, write in, tell us what you think. Uh, Laura and I will take your calls. Um, oh no, I don't know. I don't want to <laughs> listen to that. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, anybody who likes composition probably doesn't listen to this podcast, so we'll probably be safe. <clears throat> but uh, um, I have friends that are like majorly into composition too, and are totally cool. So I mean, like, it's not always it's not the rule, you know, but it's it's it happens. <laughs> it, sure. uh, it happens. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's great. So, uh, okay, cool. We got that out of the way. Academic departments, yeah. etc. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've never talked about anything like that on, on this, uh, podcaster, but since, since it came up, I just had to pick your brain about it just cause I was just talking about it. But, uh, yeah. Sure. But yeah. So Kokomo, uh, yeah. that's why we're here. Kokomo. So, um, yeah. Tell me, tell me about it. Where, where did this book come from? Like when did, where did that start? Um, it started in New Orleans when I was living in New Orleans um, after I graduated from MFA. And I was living with a dude there, um, and he's a musician. And um, yeah, New Orleans is really kind of a dangerous place, I want to say. Like, um, 
I've heard that. Controversial opinions, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, and and I know lots of people who live there and and love it and have a wonderful time and totally I get that. But it's also like a place for like people get really sucked into like the drinking and like drug culture and like sure. I did too to a degree while I was living there and uh, it just got like wild and intense and really um, I I had to kind of get out of there um, and like think about my life and like what I wanted to be doing and whether I was going to allow you know my the situation I was in to kind of like like take over my life Um, so it was like a it was a hard time it was was a really hard time Um, and it was um, a few months after I did leave New Orleans. I ended up in a really awesome place um, in Baton Rouge. I was living at a professor's house while he was like on sabbatical and doing residencies and stuff. And um, I sat down one day and just like looked in my phone at, at um, where I do. I do all my writing like in my notes app of my phone. And so I just sat down and like looked at. Um, the stuff I've been writing for like last nine months or so and I was like oh shit I think I have like a book here and I like typed it all out and it was like book links and okay cool and um, just I sent it to two presses I sent it to Disorder Press and um, I'm blanking on the other name right now and um, Disorder Press wrote me back two days later and they were like, we would like to publish this. We love it. And, um, yeah, it was wild. <laughs> it was like the easiest time I've ever, I've written like four manuscripts, four poetry manuscripts now. That was by far the easiest. It was like, um, ridiculously easy, <laughs> that whole experience. So it just, it made sense, I guess. It was just like a book that just made sense. Um, That's amazing. Did you had you met uh, the Granthams or one of them in New Orleans? Because I think one of them lived there. Uh-huh. Right? Is that right? Yeah, Michaela lives in New Orleans. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had heard about the press, and I met Michaela. I um, I walked into the coffee shop solo where she worked, and there was a book sitting in the coffee shop that I had. Um, uh, designed with a friend of mine. They just happened to be selling this book there in the coffee shop that I had designed. So I said to Michaela, like not knowing who she was, that she was the sort of press. I was like, hey, like I designed that book. She's like, oh, cool. That's amazing. You get compliments on that book. And we just started talking and I found out that she was a disorder. And, but then we didn't talk again for um, a long time. And then I sent them the book and they accepted it, and yeah, yeah, that's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. congrats. I, I, uh, I, um, I talk to uh, Joseph all the time, but I, I've talked to her as well, and, and published one or two of her things on uh, the Talking Book, and they're great. I love that press; they're amazing. Yeah, they're awesome. Like, I'm, I love those guys. Actually, like, they're the best. Um, yeah, they're yeah, great. They're great people. But that's so cool. Yeah. And so you said that so this kind of came out of the uh the New Orleans time, but then obviously, you know, the Kokomo and Florida Keys and Beach Boys, you know, it makes me think of, of Florida and everything. So where's where's that connection there in the in the title? Yeah. 
like, so I kind of say in the book, like, in one poem, it's like, you would like it in the place I grew up. People mainly want to drink there. So I think, like, wow, like, I was living in New Orleans and having this experience. I was a lot of the time thinking about the Keys, uh, where I grew up, and um, how it's, New Orleans is really similar to there in a lot of ways. Like, there's these old historic neighborhoods and houses, and they have, you know, Mardi Gras, and in the Keys, we had Fantasy Fest, right. and it was, you know, big drinking culture, and mm-hmm. um, there's just, like, a lot of parallels between the two places in my mind, and also just where I was at, like, in life, like, in this really kind of, like, liminal space of, like, not knowing what I was doing had me thinking about my home and the place I grew up and feeling nostalgic, I guess, a bit. And so that's, that's, that all just came out in the book in kind of not really overt, but kind of subtle ways, I guess. Yeah, I love that. That's great. I mean, that's, that's like uh, much less direct than I had originally imagined kind of. And then before I started going through it and, uh, I love I love that connection. That's so cool. That the parallels between those two weird locations, you know, yeah, weird, 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 good and bad, weird. You know, not that they're negative or positive. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that song. is so funny, you know, because Kokomo is this like not a real place in the Keys. Like they just made made that up for the right. song. Yeah. Um, Mike Love. I just find, huh? Mike Love, right? He wrote that one. I don't right? know, actually. You're probably right. I think so, yeah. Just because my mom uh, is obs- uh, psychotically obsessed with the Beach Boys, and she has a jacket signed by him, and we—I'm uh, from Florida. Oh. I'm from Florida too, and and uh, I'm pretty sure he wrote that, and he was uh, kind of universally hated because the song is kind of really dumb and the lyrics are dumb, but uh, it's also like <laughs> yeah. it's also endearing in some weird way. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I told you in an email. I, I even have like a, mm-hmm. a strange relationship with that song as well. Yeah, that's really funny. And I, I hear about people who have strange relationships with that song now. That's what always tickles me. I like that. I enjoy that. Do you uh do you do you go back to Florida often or what's your relationship with Florida now? I haven't been back in like eight years or something. The last time I went back it was with an ex of mine who whose uh dad lived there. And so he would, like, fly us out for the holidays and stuff. But I just, like, am too poor to, like, travel and stay down there and, like, have a, you know, it's, like, a really expensive place right. to go. And um, so I just, like, plus it's, like, complicated. Like, my family situation is, like, a mess. And I haven't, like, I'm, like, not on speaking terms with my mom and stuff. And so it's just, like, it's it's all strange and friends of mine back home have died and stuff and uh, it's just like a really complicated like relationship that I have with the keys at this point I would like to go back it's also like you know like I said like a place I get really nostalgic about and miss in some certain kind of ways I always apply for the Key West Literary Seminar (laughs) and try to get there that way yeah um, but they haven't accepted me yet. <laughs> they they probably will after this episode. They definitely will. Oh yeah, I hope so. I, I know this what you mean. The whole reason I'm doing this. That's that's know? it's the loophole. That's the actual reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I know what you, I know what you mean. about I feel like a lot of people probably have that strange 
connection when they're far away from where they are from and they have nostalgia for it and then they're they like yeah. go there and then it's kind of toxic and weird and then they leave and they kind of yeah. miss it that that whole idea yeah i think so yeah that place that's home it's always complicated yeah too bad that they should just name that place kokomo maybe like officially just name, yeah you know make yeah. it, make it official. where are you from kokomo yeah okay yeah <laughs> I know what you mean. That'd be amazing. Yeah, it's a state of mind, I guess. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, like not real, but yeah. It's not real, but it's there somehow. Yeah. Uh, so okay, cool. So um, and so what, what what's going on? What's going on next? Are you are you working on uh, some new writing? Obviously, the PhD is probably taking up a large portion of your life. Yeah, the PhD is a lot for sure, but you know, part of it is that I have to take workshops still and be writing. So I am writing. Oh, cool! I have a manuscript. I have a couple of poetry manuscripts that I'm just like sitting on, trying to get published. And I'm working on a novel now. I guess this is like a new development. Yes. I have like probably like around sixty pages towards the novel I'm working on. That I'm pretty excited about feel really good about it. I've like tried to write fiction in the past, like in my MFA and in my in undergrad and just hated everything I wrote. It's like really terrible. But so this is the first time I'm like, oh yeah, no, this, this is good. I feel good. I feel good about it. So uh, that, that's exciting. Awesome. That's awesome. Congrats on uh on on working on a novel and feeling good about it. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What is oh, the what is the specific uh, PhD? Are you doing? Is it in creative writing or how does what's the program? Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a creative writing. Um, it's it's let's see, it's officially an English PhD with a creative writing dissertation um, in poetry. <laughs> awesome. I guess is how how we do that officially. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, you know after this, what we're gonna do is play uh we're gonna have you read some poems obviously uh that you know you yeah. i know you've already recorded those but i wonder if uh if i play the shortest clip ever possible of kokomo somewhere in this episode if the uh if the if the feds are gonna catch us or not i wonder hmm oh right right yeah i think there's like maybe a certain amount of seconds that you're allowed to play without getting in trouble yeah yeah it would seem seem silly to not try at least and see what happens but um I agree. Yeah, yeah, just like do the thing and 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 just you know what's the saying that it is? Ask for forgiveness later, or something. Yeah, kind of cross that bridge when we come to it, or or uh, yeah, I, I can't remember the ask forgiveness one, but there's there's that one too. <laughs> yeah, there's a funny. Um, so you're gonna play the poems that I read for you. It's just funny. There was kind of a controversy with one of those poems. Oh, oh, that yeah. happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. With the um the Kent poem. Uh-huh. Um, so apparently like the day before yesterday, Mick Mick runs a Mick runs a reading series in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was there um in September, um, doing the book launch and reading from the poems there at this hotel, um, that they had the uh the disorder salon at and um so the day before yesterday the some people from the hotel called Mick and they were like, Look before you like do your reading tomorrow, um, we want you to like screen your readers and like tell them, you know, make sure they don't they're not reading anything that's like 
to controversial, I guess. They're like, <laughs> they were like, basically, they were like, we really didn't like that girl who came last time. They called me an <laughs> asshole. What? They were like that. Yeah, they were like that asshole who read that poem where she said, "Cunt, like this isn't your feminist like." spot where you can just come in and like what like i have the actual root wording of what they said here damn that's amazing um, this is not your feminist hangout or some bar in saint claude they said and then they said um uh, we don't want to hear poems by some asshole who feels dead inside every time her boyfriend comes inside her <laughs> wait that's what they said that's what the hotel said to Michaela. Good yeah. God. Well, see, the funniest yeah. thing is maybe your poem was uh, had some, you know, some grown-up words in it, but the thing is is that what they said is far less professional and more offensive than the poem. I Just I like because they're like I, speaking about you personally, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's wild. And then um, so like Michaela and Joey happened to be there in New Orleans while this is happening. So they both yeah. like kind of made this, they read this statement and they were like, this is our, this is going to be our last reading here at the uh, International House. And this is why. And they told the whole story and they're like, you know, well, we support Laura, who's a woman who like has the right to say cunt as many times as she wants to. And <laughs> we and what do they say? I refuse to be told that Laura Theobald's poem is too offensive to be read in this hotel that had a two night celebration of Charles Bukowski, which I guess, yeah, is the thing that they did there. And they read some Bukowski poems where he says, Count a whole bunch of times. Yeah, that's 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 tough. I mean, well, Laura, first and foremost, this this is your f- feminist hangout. We support that, and you can hang out uh-huh. here and say "cunt" anytime you want. But uh, that that's pretty wild. Uh, I mean, I've had that problem once or twice before. Like, you know, you have readers come in, and like, you know, maybe from from Mix uh, or Joseph's position, like. I'm not going to like read everybody. I'm like double check what everyone's going to read to make sure it's not going to offend somebody. That's insane. That's totally crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they named themselves too. Like we're a couple of straight white men and, and like, wow, no kidding. Really? <laughs> and <laughs> Wow. Huh. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. <sighs> wow. Well, I guess f those people. No more. Uh, no more talking book readings there either. Even though we've never been there, never going there. That, that's right. Uh, I feel. I just. I'm so proud of those guys, Mick and Joey, for like taking it as an opportunity to just kind of say fuck you and like we support you know creative expression and the use of language to make you know controversial I mean it's really it's so silly to kind of just say even that like saying the word cunt in a poem is, can be actually controversial in 2019 but like I know that's insane I mean yeah that maybe like 20 years ago and my grandmother was there like maybe she would have said that but nowadays it just doesn't right. seem that you know that insane at all yeah, yeah. but it's cool to find out that there are still those bros out there who are gonna just really be turned off by it right f those bros that's what i say yeah for sure well well that's awesome that was a great anecdote then to finish and uh joey and yeah. McGrantham, love you guys good job for doing that and uh mm-hmm. hopefully uh do you, do you ever come around uh Asheville, north carolina or anything on your travels at all 
I guess I'm not too far away now. I guess probably like four hours or something away now. Yeah, we uh we've gone up there a couple of times. It's not it's not too bad of a drive. So if you ever uh if you're ever coming down around this way, definitely hit us up. Yeah, invite me to do a reading or something. Yeah. Maybe I'll take a little road trip. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll put something together and, and have you come down. That'd be awesome. That'd be fun. Okay. All right, Laura. Well, after this, I'm gonna, uh, we're going to have some of your poems uh, playing. And congratulations on the book and congrats on the uh, on the program. And I, I liked uh, hearing all of your, your views and, uh, and uh, things about your life. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Chris. This was fun. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Bye. Okay, so here's a few poems from Kokomo. After we fucked, I felt gentle. I screwed up a cake I was working on, but decided to keep feeling gentle anyway, which seemed beautiful. I tried to think of four other things that were beautiful, but all of them were you. We've been living here two months, but the cat is still waiting to leave. You seem to notice I'm watching you for signs that you're an alien. You seem to think that you're an alien. Men always think like that. I don't think I'll ever live by the ocean again, unless the ocean rises up in time to meet me here. I think you would like it in the place I grew up. People mainly want to drink there. You're always saying there's no time, like that episode of Saved by the Bell where Jesse takes caffeine pills. There are no good recipes for cucumbers. I have heard of a boat described as a hole in the ocean that you pour money into. They require a lot of maintenance. If you're going to live on one, You need to know how to navigate, but if you can manage that, there really isn't anything better. A man is always the most beautiful when he's sleeping. Even if his thoughts are ugly, they're trapped inside his head for the night. His eyes are closed. His lashes seem long and feminine. His hair is lying down. Suddenly, I want to draw a picture. In my dream, a little murder boy is making murders with a small butter knife. Murder boy goes to McDonald's. Where does my love belong in the dream? I wake up forgetting. I've decided to let my mustache grow. My mustache looks like how I feel. Now I can see myself more clearly. My pubic hair feels great, too, but I still can't stand the way I look in pictures. America wants to be loud. I don't know America. I get sad. I get sad when you're inside me. I want to believe in you, America. I want to believe in myself. When I try to be in you, It turns out bad. There is no place to put me then. I'm so grateful for you trying to fuck me when I'm sad. 
You think to cheer me, but I'm a miserable cunt. Why is my heart sad now? I got beamed into a sad book. For two days reading it, I had a terrible secret. And when I finished, no one could understand me. The world had changed. I thought of the man who broke my heart and felt heartbroken. You said I love you, and three minutes passed, and you said it again. I wish you would finger my pussy or play with my tits a little before you go to sleep. You came and I didn't come, and you played with my pussy a little, but I didn't come, and you stopped, and you went to sleep. I hope you thought that poem was okay. I'm trying to make a career. I'm a criminal. One poet said if I don't start leaving the house, my poetry will suffer. But I'm tired of going places. It's hot. Everywhere looks like crap. You want to hear about how I'm cheating on my boyfriend secretly while he's at work, but it isn't true. I'm not like that. I'm just suffering like a normal person. Politics are a lie. Beauty is a lie. Fame is a lie. My country is a lie. My father is a lie. I have never met my father. I said eleven wrong things today. I stopped going to funerals. The pastor is a lie. The family is a lie. A corpse is a lie. I'm a princess in bed, finally. I'm so tired. I say good morning to myself. I want to fuck. I want to forget some stuff and remember some other stuff. I want to keep your face in my underwear. What is that? I wish I had a boat. I'm not over it yet. I'm sorry. Thank you. It's hard to tell which way the wind is moving when there is nothing in it. It's hard to tell also what that is supposed to mean about the wind. I love the word cunt. I said cunt at the bar, and my friend's mom said it was a fighting word where she was from. I said, I love the word cunt. The mom looked pissed. I think she might have wanted to fight me. I said, I call my friends cunts all the time. I didn't mention that my friends don't actually like that, and that actually those friends don't even talk to me anymore. Miserable cunt. But I didn't like this woman telling me what to do. I didn't care if she was in remission and down from Michigan from her daughter's birthday and that I was acting like a cunt. I said cunt is a beautiful word. Cunt is a cunt is a word for my pussy and for when I'm acting like a cunt. She said that's the worst thing you can say about a person. I said, that is just your opinion. 
I could tell she thought I was trash. Sometimes people will think you're trash when you're trying to make a point. Later, she saw me playing pool and said she wanted to get along, but that I shouldn't say that word. I said I was sorry she didn't like it, but I was going to keep saying it. She said I shouldn't say it again. I said I would. She said she liked Blondie, so I put a quarter in the jukebox and played Blondie, and she won a Okay, there you go. That was uh, that was Laura Theobald, and you listen to her read from her new book, Kokomo, out now from Disorder Press. You should type in the words Kokomo, Laura Theobald, T-H-E-O-B-A-L-D, and you can get that book. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link it in the show notes, of course. But uh, yeah, I had a really good time talking to her. She seems very smart, very cool. Um, New Orleans sounds crazy. That place, I think it was called the International Club, that uh, was mad that she said the word cunt. That's pretty weird nowadays. I mean, is that? That's weird. Just let people say what they want when they're reading their poetry. Don't be such a nerd, you bro. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that was it. So please go get this book. And Laura, please come to Asheville, hang out, do a reading. Um, Yeah, I love it. I love that song. You know, when I was a kid, me and my brother, we used to tour around and have to sing that song. My parents made us sing it at shows, like at fairs. We were like like an act. Not like a sideshow act, but, you know, we were little kids singing the song Kokomo in Florida. So um, I know the book's not about that, but still, it makes me think of that. Uh, what else do we got going on? The Talking Book. The Talking Book, you should come to Asheville. We'll record your book. Hit us up, thetalkingbook.org. Got new books coming out by Marcia Douglas with New Directions. Uh, Brad Phillips with Tyrant Books. Um, new readings coming out uh, from Joseph Grantham, Chelsea Hodson. Um... Yeah, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff happening. Come hang out with me. Come talk to us. Uh, there's a few of us here and we want to talk to you. But thanks so much for listening. Go get Laura Theobald's book, Kokomo. Get away from it all. Uh, poems, I like you. Uh, have a great day. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy Chasing sister squares I was lit Before I knew that you were there Like an angel Who has forsaken certain Sleeping in the square I was lit Before I knew the story